turn that off. He says, I have a few things against thee. So every one of these uh, letters, he's going to give, he's going to give them, he's going to give them a commendation. He'll tell them, hey, you're doing some things that are good. You're holding, back, you're holding my name there in verse 13. You're holding fast my name. You're not denying the faith. But then he always is going to rebuke them. He's going to rebuke them after he's told. There's only one church that doesn't get a rebuke, and that's the church of Philadelphia. That church, that Philadelphia means brotherly love. And Philadelphia doesn't get a rebuke, and Philadelphia holds God's words. You see that time period of Philadelphia? That's 1500. That's right when the English Bible was being brought up. And then in 1611, we, we have the authorized version, also known as the King James Version. And that's when all the great missionaries, that's when the great revival took place. And uh, we're, we're kind of coming to the end of that revival. But that's, that was a great church period history. All right, back in verse, verse 14. But I have a few things against thee, because thou hast there them that hold the doctrine of Balaam, who taught Balak to cast a stumbling block before the children of Israel to eat things sacrificed unto idols and to commit fornication. So you remember Balaam. Balaam was the one that got on the donkey and, the, and he was riding. Uh, he was going to go to Balak with Balak's men. And the donkey started telling him, started falling down. And he, he, and he starts beating the donkey because the donkey sees the angel there with the swords about to cut his head off. Y'all remember that? Here's a picture of it. And then the donkey starts talking to him. Why are you beating? Why are you beating me? I've always been good to you, you know. And uh, God opens up the donkey's mouth, and that's, that's amazing. Uh, there was a time where animals could talk before the fall. I believe that, because uh, and I believe uh, there's going to come a time in the millennial kingdom where animals will be talking again. I, I believe that. But at this time, he's. This is Balaam. That's the story of Balaam. And you remember what he was doing, Balaam was doing, and I'll see if my clicker will go back. Balaam was telling him, he was telling, Balak was paying Balaam to go, and he was going to curse Israel. Balak wanted Balaam to curse Israel. And this is all found in Numbers chapter 25 in that area. He goes and he, he goes to curse Israel. What happens? God makes him bless Israel. He blesses Israel. But what, was, what happened was, is Balaam told Balak, we find out later on through Scripture, that Balaam told Balak, I'll tell you how you can destroy Israel. And the way you destroy Israel is this, you mingle them together. You start mingling Israel with the heathen. In other words, y'all mingle with Israel. That will destroy Israel. In other words, it goes back to the old saying we live by today. A lot of people say, if you can't beat them, join them. Amen. That's exactly what Balak did, and he started, that, that's, it cost a, cast a stumbling block before the children of Israel to eat things sacrificed unto idols, so they started hanging out with these heathens, and to commit fornication, and they started uh, hanging out with these heathens, and they started marrying, mingling and marrying the daughters of, of, of Balak and these heathens, and Israel, God commanded Israel not to do that, because he says, their daughters are going to carry you away to strange gods. That's why uh, we're not supposed to be unequally yoked as Christians. If you're a believer in here and you're not married, then you need to make sure you marry or you, or at, at, when you're, you're, you date or marry that they are a Christian. Amen. That's the worst thing you can do. And, and not just, a, just not a nominal Christian either. If you're in here, if you're in a church like this, that's a Bible-believing church, you're hearing Bible-believing preaching, you're serious about the Word of God, don't go marrying some girl that, Says she's a, a Christian but doesn't ever go to church. That's, 
That's not what you want to do. Amen. Amen. That, that's just a, that's un, becoming unequally yoked. That's the that's it. Because thou hast theorem that hold the doctrine of Balaam. So we need to figure out what the doctrine of Balaam is. Turn to there's a way of Balaam. Turn to Second Peter chapter two, and we'll look. At, let's look at this. Just a couple pages to the left. Second Peter chapter two, verse fifteen. So there's a way of Balaam. And the reason why we're slowing down in some of this stuff in, in the churches is because this stuff right here relates to you today. Okay? When we get to Revelation chapter 4, that's all going to be future, guys. That's all prophecy. Revelation chapter 4, from that on, that's all going to happen in the future. But this stuff we're reading right here in chapters 1 through 3 of Revelation, that's all me and you today. So me and you today are having to deal with the doctrine of Balaam and the doctrine of the Nicolaitans. And this stuff that God, Jesus Christ, is rebuking the church for, he's rebuking me and you for. So we need to make sure that we're not a part of any of this. Okay, because this is what was going on in the churches. That's what's going to be going on in the churches today. It all applies to us today. That's why Jesus Christ told John to write this letter to the churches. Because he's warning them, hey, you're holding fast my name. Amen. There's people in here that hold the fast the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. There's people that hold the faith of Jesus Christ. Amen. But there's also people who are holding the doctrine of Balaam. And we've got to figure out what was the doctrine of Balaam. 2 Peter chapter 2, verse 15. Which have forsaken the right way and are gone astray, following the way of Balaam, the son of Basor, who loved the wages of unrighteousness. So there's a way of Balaam that's tied to wages of unrighteousness. That's tied to wages. So there's money involved there. So there's a way that in a Christian life, you can get caught up in the money part of Christian life. There's an error of Balaam. You'll find that in Jude. Turn to the right, a couple of, just a couple of pages, to Jude verse 11. And we're looking, so, so Balaam is warned about there's the doctrine of Balaam. We just read that in Revelation. There's a, there's a way of Balaam. And now we're going to look at the error of Balaam. So there's a doctrine, there's a way, and there's an error. So there's all these things are tied together. They're all associated with Balaam. Look at verse 11. Jude, verse 11. Woe unto them, for they have gone in the way of Cain and ran greedily, greedily after the error of Balaam for reward. And perish in the gainsaying of course. So we're going to focus on the error of Balaam there in that verse. And it says that they ran greedily. They ran and ran greedily after the error of Balaam for reward. So what was, what was the error of Balaam? What was the way of Balaam? He was trying to make money off God's work. He was wages of unrighteousness. The greedily after the error of Balaam for what? For reward. So these are people, these are Christians that are greedy to make money from God's work. That's called the doctrine of Balaam. Guys, that's rampant in the church today. It's scary what's going on in the churches today. They're trying to make money off of you. Uh, I, go, I, I go into these Christian bookstores and I, I, I make, I, my wife laughs at me, I think, because I call them milk stores. Because I call them milk stores because they're just all full of milk. You go in, every one of these books are milky. There's hardly any kind of meat. It's all milk. And they're all making money off Christians with pictures. And these pictures like you see right here with crosses, with little trinkets. They're trying to sell you all this stuff. 
That, you know, because that's what a Christian should have. They should have a thousand crosses in their home, amen. That's what they think, you know. They're trying to make money off you. But there's not just stores and businesses trying to be greedy to make money from God's work. It's Christians. That's just, there's not, y'all know where I'm going with this. There's nothing more evident than what's going on. You see it in the TV today and television evangelists. Greedy to make money from God's work. Joe Osteen, he's net, his net worth is $40 million, and I guarantee you it's more than that. Creflo Dollar is $27 million. Benny Hinn is $42 million. T.D. Jakes is valued to be $150 million net worth. Uh, Brother Ronnie's son, Justin, has done some work for T.D. Jakes, and he went over to the mansion. And he's got, what, two mansions, brother? Both sides of the road? One's for his wife, one's for him, or something like that? Yeah. That's the way... Uh, uh, what's the guy's name that started uh, TBN? Crouch. That's what they said about him. He had a mansion, and across the street, his wife had a mansion. And when his wife, his wife built the house just for the dogs. And whenever she would go out of town, they would always get the Hilton and always be in the richest room in the Hilton. And she would get a room for her, and she'd get a room across next to her for her dogs, just for her dogs. That's, the kind, that's how they're using God's money. And then they're t- going on TV begging for money from Christians. Like Sister Alice, that's, that's on a set income. Like Sister Mary Reynolds is on a set income. Some of, us that, some of us that are not on a set income yet, but we get up, work 40 hours a day, I mean 40 hours a week, uh, trying to pay our bills, living in this system, and then they're trying to get us to send them money. <laughs> Guys, it's not about money. That's why I'm so particular about this stuff. That's why this church does not pass an offering plate unless it's something that specifically said, hey, I'm passing an offering plate for this missionary or for this deal. We don't talk about money. We don't pass a money or offering plate around. We barely have business meetings around here. You wonder how this place gets run, amen? amen. Well, I let God run this place. That's, that's what's going on. And I let God and, and Sister Linda run this place. <laughs> Because I don't want to be a part of any of the money. I don't want to be attacked because I know what money does to people. And it changes people. And this is what's happened. I I, I guarantee you these people didn't start out being greedy for money. There was a time that they were serving, they wanted to serve the Lord. I I, I guarantee you T.D. Jakes wasn't always out for money. His heart was in the right place. I bet you every one of these guys are Christians. Every one of these guys are going to make it to heaven. But there's a time they get, they've started following the way of Balaam and the error of Balaam, and that's where it leads. That's why Jesus Christ rebukes the church at this time. They're starting to try to bring in money. They're starting to try to, they're talking about money. It's about money. This is the rise of the Roman Catholic Church. What do you think about when you think about the Roman Catholic Church? They've got these cathedrals. They've got these buildings, these beautiful buildings that cost millions of dollars to build. That's not what Jesus Christ wants out of the church. Amen. Okay, we got to grab a hold of this. Greedy to make money from God's work. Here's Benny Hinn. He has here on his Benny Hinn Ministries, your wall of debt will be shattered. Of course, he's always talking about money. Uh, and he's always talking about sending money, and then God will break your debt when you send money. Well, then he turns around, and Benny Hinn asks followers for $2.5 million to get out of debt. <laughs> he needs to get out of debt. Well, and then in his own ministry, he's preaching about how God will break your debt wall. Well, God breaks his debt wall by, by getting it from you, you know. Yes, amen. Listen, these guys, 
Somebody's falling for this stuff. I, I, there's a lot of people that fall for this stuff. You don't become you don't become a hundred fifty million dollar net worth and not do a thing. Not do it. You seen T D Jakes? He's a big old boy. He's not missing a lot of meals. Uh, he's not getting out. He's not getting out driving a trash truck, is he, Brother Joker? He's doing nothing. Somebody's sending him money. Sending him money. Pardon me. Yeah, I guess somebody sent him money. He's selling books. Selling lots and lots of books. And a lot of the, the mailers that they sent out, they asked for donations and those mailers, letters, stuff like that, and the people send money back to them. And I'm not talking about ten or fifteen dollars. No. Thousands of dollars. Yeah. They sent them thousands. Yeah. That's what Oral Roberts did. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. It wasn't. I don't know that, brother. But it, it might. He might. He might have a gold commode seat. But you know, Christians bought it for him. Good. Wow. Amen. That he was the one that started the Eagles Nest in Dallas with the Eagle Harmony Church. Had a friend that worked there. And there was times where they just danced. But he would kind of visit on them with Mercedes and his little fancy car and, and, and ask them to please not cash their check out. The paychecks are bouncing. Joe Osteen, uh, Mrs. Dodd's got a grandson that works with Joe Osteen Ministries in the video department. And when I think I've told you all this story. Whenever he got on, he got his first check, and he noticed that there was some money missing out of it. And uh, he had signed an agreement that he would support his ministry. Well, whenever he signed an agreement, he goes, yeah, okay, I'll support the ministry. They meant you're going to support it with your tithe. And when, before they give him a check, they took 10% off the top of his check. After all the government took out all the money, then they took the 10% tithe. They made him tithe back to Osteen Ministries. And he confronted them. He said, I don't, I don't necessarily want to send my tithe here. No, you signed a paper, you would support. This is, these are the crooks. These are the Balaams of modern day. Here's a greedy to make money from God's work. Here's sow your seed of $1,000 with the expectation of a harvest. And that's how they get, they, they, these guys get you. They, they, they get on TV and they say, if you'll give $100, God will give you back $1,000. And if you give $1,000, God's going to send you $10,000. And that's, that's how they hook these people. It's a scam. It's a con. A con only works on you if you're crooked. That's how cons work. You understand that, right? Most, 99% of cons, any kind of con works because they work off your greed. I've got, this, I've got to cash this check, but if you'll help me cash this check, I'll give you $100 of this, or I'll give you $1,000 of this. Or it, the, 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 the con is, is they know that you're, you're, you're thinking you're going to get one off on somebody. 
You know, I, I'm from I'm from Uganda or wherever, and I need this check cash. And if you do, I'm a prince, and I, I have millions of dollars, and I'll give you ten thousand dollars if you help me cash this check. I'm in dire straits. That's how they con you. They, a con works because you're crooked. That's how a con works on you. Okay, that's how a con works, y'all guys. Y'all don't believe me. Some of y'all don't believe this. You need to look into cons. The con man works off you because he knows that you inherently are crooked. And you think you're going to get something for free. I can't afford <laughs> Well, brother, you've got to have, you gotta have $100 to send in, right? First, that's the way I am. You know, they can't get us because we don't have no money to send in. <laughs> Praise the Lord. Every day from that. That's why a lot of people shut their phones off. That's all just tele, telemarketers. But you see, this is the kind of stuff that's going on in America. And this just isn't just on TV, guys. This happens in churches all over the world. Baptist churches all over the world. I had a, I had a good Christian lady on me when I got my back pay. She wanted more of the money. I don't care for all of it. I was on my stuff for myself, but she talked me into loaning her all the money. Those two, three, four, five thousand dollars. And I lost it. She never gave it back, huh? Yeah, that's a good Christian. You want to keep your Christianity uh, healthy, keep money out of it. You want to keep your family, you want to keep your family healthy, keep money out of it. The money ruins more people. And that's, a, that's, called, that's the error of Balaam, the way of Balaam. Here's one that Creflo Dollar said, and he's one of my favorite fakers. Jesus bled and died for us so that we can lay claim to the promise of financial prosperity. He tweeted that out. That's the one, one great thing about Twitter is these idiots tweet this stuff, and then we got it forever. You know, I'm warning you guys, get off Facebook. Don't tweet. Get off Facebook, because when you write that stuff, it's forever. <laughs> it's, you don't ever write anything down, because they can use it against you later. So did Jesus bleed and die so you could be financially prosperous? No. He bled and died for you to have salvation. He doesn't even mention salvation. He so you can claim to have the promise of financial prosperity. That's the way of Balaam, guys. This is the era of Balaam. This is the doctrine of Balaam. This is what Jesus Christ was warning about 2,000 years ago. It's going on in the churches today. And not just in the non-denominational churches. It's going on in the Baptist churches. Where we have guys come through here and they're expecting money. And they want money. It's all about money. And uh, you have to really watch these guys. And they'll get into that. They'll get into the era of Balaam. If God's into something, he'll give you the money. And if he's not into it, you won't get the money. Okay, that's just the way it is. And, and I, I'm going to say this, and um, y'all don't have to agree with me about this. And we've had some guys come in here, and they're trying to start missionary work here in America. And I got to why I won't let these guys come in anymore, because it started really bothering me. Because they'll come into my church, and they say, yeah, I'm going to go up to New Mexico or wherever, and I'm going to start churches up there. And I'm going to start a church here in New Mexico or wherever. And I'm sitting there thinking, you know what? Joker understands what I'm about to say. Why don't you do it like I'm doing it? <laughs> Go get a job. <laughs> We're in America. There's a job around every corner. Go get a job, sacrifice, and you can start a church. Why do you want me, who I'm sacrificing, and my church is sacrificing, you want us to start supporting you so you don't have to have a job and you can be in America? Nonsense. I, I don't know. I'm, just, I'm, I'm fed up with that. You, there's sacrifice that comes along with this stuff. The reason why we're supporting these guys is because they're in these foreign countries. They can't get jobs over there. A lot of times they can't work. And they need money to do the work. And we're trying to support them as foreign missionaries. 
But when you're talking about somebody who's going to go up to New Mexico and start a church or start a church in Oklahoma, and they want to raise support, so all these other churches are supporting this one church, the way I feel about it is, if God's in that work, get a job and sacrifice like me, it works. I've been doing it for 10 years. It works. You can do it. <laughs> but it's sacrifice. And you're not going to get paid. You know, you're not going to get paid. You're not going to make a, a bunch of money. But a lot of these guys, they want to have a travel trailer. They want to have an RV. They want to have all this stuff. And they want to start out on top. You can't start out on top. you got to work your way up. Amen, brother. Amen. But that's the Lord. It's not me. It's not anybody else in here. That's the Lord saying, I'm going to bless this work. Yeah. Do it. That's what it is. Okay. Let's get off this money. Amen. Amen. All right. Let's look at the doctrine of the Nicolaitans. Back in Revelation. Let's get off this money. <laughs> Let's get off money, guys, because it's not good. But you see that Jesus Christ is warning this same thing was going on way back 2,000 years ago. Revelation chapter 2, verse 15. So, and he's after the doctrine of Balaam. Now he's going to go into verse 15. So hast thou also them that hold the doctrine of the Nicolaitans, which thing I hate. Okay, here's another thing Jesus Christ hates. He brings up something else that he hates. What's it that he hates? The Nicolaitans. Now, remember back, we read about this. We read about this back in... Uh, Revelation chapter 2, verse 6. Was it verse 6? Yeah. Verse 6, but this thou hast, thou hast what? The deeds of the Nicolaitans. Now, in the first part of church history, it was deeds of Nicolaitans. Now it's went to doctrine of Nicolaitans. At first, these people were just doing this. What's a Nicolaitan? A Nico. Nico is to uh, conquer Laity, laitin, the laity, the people, to conquer the people. In other words, they were bringing up a religious system where they had these clergymen over the laity, these lesser Christians. So they had these Christians that were puffed up, these Christians that were saying, I'm above you and you're below me. Guys, that's a Roman Catholic system where you have the clergy and the priests and you have a bishop. Guys, we're all high priests in here. I mean, we're all priests under God. You can approach God. You're a priest under God, okay? Amen. That's called the priesthood of believers. Well, the Nicolaitans teaches that there's a, there's a system where you have these people above you and, they're, they're, and you're below them. That's what Jesus, what did he say right there in verse 15? I hate that. So it's went from, it's went from being a deed to a doctrine. So in, from, Perga, from Ephesus to Smyrna to Pergamos, this went from deeds to doctrine. Why is it a doctrine now? Because that's the start of the Catholic Church. They're teaching this as a, a doctrine. What is a doctrine? A doctrine is a religious teaching. It's a religious teaching. So when you have the doctrine of Balaam, what does that mean? What is Balaam? Greedy to make money off God's work? That's a teaching. We call it today. What do we call that today? It's called the prosperity message. And Jesus Christ is warning you about that in verse 14. Now he's warning you about the doctrine of the Nicolaitans. There's a teach, religious teaching where you have a clergy, a bishop, somebody who's above you. That's the exact, and, we, and I'm not going to go through all the verses because y'all were in here when we went through all the verses. Y'all understand all that. But, but this has went from the deed to a doctrine. Now, as far as the doctrine of Nicolaitans, when I was showing you this stuff before, I didn't have this transparency, but I put up a new transparency for you guys. Uh, Remember, I talked about Dagon, and there's Dagon, the fish god that uh, 
He, they put the ark in front of Dagon, the fish god, and, it, and it, they went back in the next day, and he had his hands cut off, his arms cut off, his head cut off, he's laid tipped over, and, all the, and, and then they, couldn't, they wouldn't cross the threshold anymore because of that, because they'd try to put the ark before Dagon. Notice, this has come out of a book called Babylon Mystery Religion, which is talking about the Catholic Church. But here's, uh, here's a picture of Dagon in Mesopotamia. Now, this is a priest of Dagon. I'm going to throw this up a little higher. And here's the priest of Dagon. Notice what he's got on. He's got on a fish garment. See how he's got like a fish uh, robe on? And then he's got a fish head on top of his head. They worship Dagon. That went back to Babylon where they worship Dagon, the god Dagon, a fish god. Why am I bringing all this up? Because I told you all last time about the Catholic Church that it's all pagan. Remember it's pagan and Christianity mixed together. That's what Constantine wanted to try to do. Look at this picture here. Here's that fish god, the head of Dagon, the fish god of Babylon. Look how it looks, looks how it has a fish, open mouth fish. There's the mitre of a bishop. That's going on. That's the latest pope right there, Popey Poo. Look at what. You got to wonder why you wear the things you wear and why you're doing the things you're doing. And that's it's showing you where that, they get that from right there. Kind of coincidence, huh? <laughs> it's no coincidence when you know church history. Yep. Okay. So I wanted to show that transparent to y'all to, to show you. There's the Dagon priest. There's a bishop. There he is today, 2017. The yeah. same thing. It's, he who has eyes to see, let him see. Amen. If you don't want to see it, you won't see it. So it's up to you. Back in uh, Revelation chapter 2, verse 16. Repent. Jesus Christ says, repent. It's good for a Christian to repent. Repent, or else I will come unto thee quickly and will fight against them with the sword of my mouth. What's the sword of my mouth? That's the word of God. The last thing you want is Jesus Christ to be able to, is, is getting after you with his words. Amen. Amen. This same man, he can use his words to raise the dead. Come forth, Lazarus. Come forth, Lazarus. But he also can tell you, die. And if he tells you you die, you're going to die, guys. So you don't want Jesus Christ attacking you with his, with his lips, the sword of my mouth. You don't want that. But you need to repent about this stuff. So these guys I was showing you up on the transparency, they need to repent from the doctrine of Balaam. They need to repent from the doctrine of uh, the Nicolaitans. They need to repent from this stuff. And there are Catholics that do repent. See, here's the Pope. Wouldn't it be wonderful if the Pope just came, just went on national TV and said, you know what, I've been reading my Bible actually for the first time, and I realize we're saved by grace plus faith, and this whole Catholic system is just a bunch of malarkey. I quit. I'm a born-again believer. You think God would accept him? Yes. Amen, God would accept him. That would be called repentance. Amen. So Jesus Christ is saying repent. Repent is just a change, of, a change of mind, a change of direction. You're saying, you know what, I was going this way, I repent. God, I was doing it wrong. I'm turning back. Verse 17. Let's finish off the church of Pergamos. And one last thing before we get into verse 17. Balaam, remember what Balaam was teaching? He was teaching, the doctor Balaam was, he was teaching Balak. You've got to mingle them together. And that's, a, that's interesting to know because that's exactly what Constantine was doing. He's mingling the pagans and the Christians together to create the Catholic church and the council of Nicaea in, in, in A.D. 325. And that's exactly what Balaam was teaching. So a lot of this stuff is, it goes back to church history. It's amazing. This book is an amazing book, guys. Look at verse 17. He that hath an ear, let him hear what the Spirit saith unto the churches. Are you listening this morning? 
Praise the Lord. I hope you're listening because God's got something to tell you. To him that overcometh. Let's stop there. How do, you, how do we overcome? Y'all remember the verse? If somebody, had, somebody said, you've got to overcome, what verse would you give them to prove that you have overcome? I've given it to you three different times in these teachings. Does anybody know it? You better, you got it. Guys, you've got to know this verse. <laughs> this is a pop quiz. Y'all remember what verse you would turn to? Y'all need to write this stuff down. Put it in your Bible. Turn to 1 John. 1 John chapter 5. And now y'all going to know. I'm going to show it to you again. Y'all remember this, okay? I might give you a test on this again. I, guys, we're not wasting our time. Let's not waste our time. If we're coming in here, let's learn something. Let's learn something. 1 John chapter 5, verses 4 and 5. We got to study the show thyself approve, a workman that needs not be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. If we're going to come in here to Sunday school, it's not just a fellowship, it's to learn something. So I'm trying to teach you, and I want you all to learn this stuff. This stuff's important. It's the Word of God. So how do you overcome? Look at 1 John chapter 5, verses 4 and 5. This is the verse. This is how you would answer somebody. For whatsoever is born of God overcometh the world. Are you, have you been born of God? Yes. If you're born again, you have. And this is the victory that overcometh the world, even our faith. Amen. Your faith is what overcomes the world. Look at verse 5. Who is he that overcometh the world? But he that believeth that Jesus is the Son of God. Amen. Amen. So if you're reading through the book of Revelation, guys, and you see that word overcome, he that overcometh, he that overcomes, he that overcomes, you know that should be 1 John chapter 5, verses 4 and 5. Okay, Write that down in your Bible next to that verse right there. To him that overcometh, so you've already overcometh. Amen. Back in Revelation chapter 2, verse 17, to him that overcometh. We've already overcome because we put our faith in Jesus Christ. Amen. Now, amen. I'm show, I showed you the verse, 1 John chapter 5, verses 4 and 5. To him that overcometh will I give to eat of the hidden manna. Now, I, I'm going to be honest with y'all guys. We don't know everything. <laughs> and this is an example. What is this hidden manna? Well, we know what manna is, right? That's what God gave to Israel that came down. That was like, it looked like a little colander seed. It looked like a, it was just a little bitty, it looked kind of like a wafer. It tasted like honey. And they would eat it. Remember that, that's, that was the hidden, but he says this is the hidden manna. So this is some manna that's hidden. He's going to give to eat of the hidden manna. Okay, we're not really for sure what he's talking about there. And we'll give him a white stone. That white stone, what is that white stone? Well, a white stone represented... In ancient times, if somebody gave you a white stone, that meant you were innocent. When you're on trial and they handed you a white stone, the white stone was innocent. Whenever they would cast the ballot, like they'd have a jury there, and they said, okay, is this guy innocent or guilty? And they'd give you a black and a white stone. What you had, like, let's say you had a bow. If you thought that guy was guilty, you'd put in a black stone. If you thought that guy was innocent, you'd put in a white stone. So when somebody's handing you a white stone, this could, this, we think this represents innocency. You're innocent before God's eyes because you've overcome, amen? amen? And you're innocent because of what Jesus Christ did for you. This white stone, this white stone, more than likely, I think, is a pearl. This white stone, more than likely, is probably a pearl. Remember what Jesus Christ said in Matthew chapter 13? I, I'll turn it. We're kind of running late on time. I'll turn there and read it to you. Let me read Matthew 13. He's talking about the kingdom, and he's referring to what the kingdom is like. And he refers to the kingdom like it's a, like it's a stone, but it's a specific stone. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like unto a merchant man seeking goodly pearls. 
who, when he had found one pearl of great price, went and sold all that he had and bought it. Guys, that great pearl of great price is me and you. The church, it's the bride of Christ. We're a great pearl. We're white and we're, uh, but the pearl, how is a pearl created? A little piece of sand gets in there and it bothers that, that clam and he's whirling that thing around because it's agitating him, it's agitating him, it's agitating him. And he, out of all that agitation comes a great pearl. So we feel like that stone is probably a pearl or could be a pearl. This is not doctrine, guys. This, this is, a lot of this is guesswork. We're just guessing at some of this stuff. Will I give to eat of the hidden manna and will give him a white stone, more than likely a pearl, and in the stone a new name written, which no man knoweth, saving he that receiveth. Amen. So he's going to give you this pearl here, or we'll give you a stone. I'm going to call it a pearl for, for, just for sake. And in this pearl or in this stone he gives you, it's going to have a new name written. Every one of y'all has a new name written down in heaven. You've got a new name. What is that name? I have no idea. I hope it's not Ichabod. Ichabod. I take it, brother. If it's if if it's the Lord, the name the Lord gives me, I'll take Ichabod. Amen. Here's the point I'm trying to make to y'all. What kind of name is it going to be? I'm, it's not going to be Shaniqua. What I'm trying to point, the point I'm making out to you, it's going to be a Hebrew name. So you know when you're reading through Chronicles and you see those lists of all those long names? And you're like, I'm going to skip this part. This, you know, nobody's going to know I didn't read this. And you're, and you're just like, oh, this is whole. T-. How do you know you're not reading your name? How do you know you're not reading the name of your son, the name of your daughter, the name of your mother, the name of your father? How do you know you're not reading it? Amen, brother. We can't even pronounce it. Now you know why God's put all that stuff in there. He might be putting those names in there because he's going to, you're going to be named in those. You're going to be written. Your name will be written. Your name will be written in the Lamb's Book of Life. Right? Amen? Your name is in here. My name's not Keegan to God. My name might be Zechariah. My name might be Daniel. My name might be Ichabod. I don't know what my name's going to be. I don't know what your name's going to be, but it's in here. Look at Isaiah 62 in closing, and we'll close Sunday school in this verse right here. Isaiah chapter 62. Isaiah 62, verse 2. You've got a new name written down in glory. We sing the song. Amen. That's where we get the stuff. All our hymns are based out of the Bible, guys. Amen. That's why it's so good to be singing those old-time hymns. I was in a doctor's office, and they were playing all this New Age uh, Christian music, and it about drove me crazy. It all sounded the same, all this nonsense. Look at Isaiah 62, verse 2. And the Gentiles shall see thy righteousness, and, show, and all kings thy glory, and thou shalt be called by a new name which the mouth of the Lord shall name. Amen. Amen. Remember when Adam called all the animals up there and he's naming all that? That's what God's going to do to us. We're going to come before him and he's going to say, your name used to be Simon. Now it's going to be Peter. Remember what he was doing? He's going to call your name used to be Keegan. Now it's going to be Ichabod. I'll take it, Lord. (laughs) Whatever. I'm just glad to be here. Amen. Amen. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, thanks so much for loving us and taking care of us, Father. And Lord, thank you for a new name waiting for us. Lord God, thank you for that stone you're going to give us. Lord God, and Father, help us to understand this stuff. Some of this is way over our head, Lord God, but we know that your wisdom 
through your Holy Spirit is what wrote this book, Father. We know it's way above us, Father. And we appreciate how wise it is, Father. Give us wisdom in it, Lord God, though. And we want, we want to study to show ourselves approved. I'm praying all this in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen.